Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 225 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. The all-new CLNS Media website has also launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and also over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the brand new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode, 225 of Patriots Beat. Check it out at clnsmedia.com. That is clnsmedia.com. My pleasure to welcome to podcast 225 of Patriots Beat, the one and only Matt Chatham. You can find him at Chatham58. The number, of course, he wore for the New England Patriots, a three-time Super Bowl champion, Matt Chatham. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks so much for taking time out. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Trags. Yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to diving into quite a bit, and uh, obviously this is the day after what was uh, pretty much, I thought, kind of an expected meltdown in Miami. If the Patriots were going to have one of these games, you could see it coming, uh, knowing that they were without, Tom Brady was without Rob Gronkowski going in, knowing that they didn't have their best pass rusher, their sack leader, and Trey Flowers, uh, knowing that they were banged up early in the game. Uh, they didn't also, they were also without uh, uh, David Lee, sorry, David uh, Harris, uh, linebacker, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really struggling in terms of depth, I thought, on Monday night, and it really showed up, didn't you think? Well, all I would say is I think I think that's a factor. I don't know if it's the factor. I, I would the thing that I was resting upon if I was sort of predicting when this might come, and I think that's why I felt the sixteen zero talk was so silly. You just kind of expect there's going to become a point where it comes to a head, a bad week, you know, and that just that just happens. They have this crazy five out of six on the road schedule. This is four of five, so you know this is sort of the tail end of this thing. Still, obviously, another week to go with Pittsburgh. But I thought fatigue, mental fatigue, uh, the notion of of having some of the depth issues you've talked about. But I think by and large, they walked out on the field with essentially the same team as a week ago, less Gronk. And I don't think Gronk's worth 20 points. I think Gronk is as good as you can be at that position. He's an amazing player, makes a big difference in the offense, but should be more than any. No guy in, in this system should ever be worth more than one score, maybe maybe 10. And I just have always kind of viewed it that way. There's, the strength is the depth. The strength is sort of the versatility of the entire group, the, the really – ability to do so many different things well and you lose one it sucks you lose julian Edelman, it sucks but they're diverse enough to where they can change course and still be very very good the problem with the absence of gronk and it just happened to sort of time out where at least on the offensive side of the ball where you got chris hogan back 
but you always know when you get a guy back off of a major shoulder thing where he misses a month of football, that first week's going to be tentative. That first yep. week is going to be just kick, kicking off rust. So it times out in a pretty poor way. I think it, there's, there's one lens to look through it and say, oh, you know, great, Hogan's back. Well, <laughs> I think you'd rather have Hogan back in a week where you were less dependent upon him, quite frankly. I think in a week where, holy cow, in the absence of Gronk, you're really going to need to log minutes out of Chris and, and targets and things like that. It, that's, in my view, a little bit unfair on a player. You know, you hope, man, you got to do your job. You're being paid for it, but it's a tough spot to be in. So I, they felt super thin offensively as they started plowing into series after series. And I was like, good Lord, this is just going to be a game of check downs and, and go routes. <laughs> and that's, that's not a, that's not a good formula against this Dolphins defense. So, um, they, they certainly felt limited as they got into it. I guess more so when they kicked off. It just, I think it became much more apparent what, where the stresses were going to be, and they weren't really built to take care of them, and they played sloppy, and that just, that kind of makes it all go poof. Speaking with Matt Chatham, Nesson.com, or Nesson Patriots expert analyst and ESPN college football analyst, also the host of the Real Thing Patriots podcast available on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Matt, uh, you mentioned Rob Gronkowski should never be more, uh, somebody like a Rob Gronkowski, as great as he is, should never be worth more than maybe one score in a football game at the NFL level, especially. But, you can certainly point to his absence as a huge reason they were 0 for 11 on third down. No. Yeah, well, I think he can, and I thought I thought Coach Belichick did a pretty decent job of breaking down how they got to four third downs. And I think again, it it sort of uh, it's the table setters in my view. It's always it's always kind of been that way, where you'll be better at third down, which is why I don't love the idea of third down percentages anyhow, because I need to know third what. You're going to be a high yeah. third down percentage team That's if you're always point. third and manageable. If you're always if you're always third and four, but if you're you're third and ten, you're you're third and eight, third and seven, whatever. It's going to, your percentage is going to suck. So I think that's part and parcel. So if, if Gronk is there, uh, the run pass threat is higher on earlier downs. So that loosens people slightly. So uh, just enough for a small crease can make a two yard gain of four. And all of a sudden, the table set just demonstrably a little bit better, right? So, if, you know, second and seven or six is so much better than second and nine. And there were so many second and nines or second and eights or even second and tens yesterday where it was just like, okay, they don't have it. And, and oddly enough, it just shows you how much sort of the, the minute details can matter at this level because that same defense 14 days ago is 200 yards on the ground. <laughs> you know, so Right. That's a great so, point. So. Yeah, something so subtle as this, uh, and, and and it's you know to give the Dolphins a, a modicum of credit here too. I mean, they adjusted themselves. You know, it, they go study film. They got the win. They won a lot of one-on-one battles that weren't just simply scheme related. You know, you get a second swing at a dude. You know, like I thought Joe Tooney uh, dominated his uh, uh, his matchup two weeks ago and, and lost a lot of them this week. And that's just football. You know, you both two good players going against one another and. You'll start losing some one-on-ones, and that becomes a lot less about scheme. But uh, again, to the Gronk point, though, I think that he, uh, the reason he's relevant is because if you're a defender, you cannot be on your toes uh, with Gronk out there because you may be back on your heels in a second chasing something in play action. So it makes you play play square. It makes you play straight. 
but when he's gone, uh, I think there is a more you more have to be aggressive. You can be out in front of your toes. You can be leaning forward. You can be aggressively getting into edge set, aggressively getting into run gaps because you know you're not going to have to turn a retreat. <laughs> most likely, I mean, to, to recover against Dwayne Allen, and it's not a knock on Dwayne. It's just how he's used in the absence of Gronk. He was chipping edges. He's slow to release because they need him for other things, and he's not going to be a stretch the middle field guy. So it, it cuts the keys in half, I think, for a lot of the defensive players, and it makes the line play in line less of a guessing game. You, you kind of things declare, and it just makes football a lot easier for a defense. I got to tell you, uh, Matt. First of all, you are somebody. If there were a Big Bang Theory on the NFL and football in general, you would be the star of it. Because I think you break down, and I mean this dead serious, we've had many discussions before uh, at Gillette Stadium. You love to get into the science of the game. I mean, just even there where you're talking about uh, the le- the difference in a linebacker lean playing uh, up against a guy uh, like Rob Gronkowski versus maybe, you know, facing somebody across the edge um, like a Dwayne Allen. And you played linebacker, obviously. You know, most of your core uh, contribution were on special teams, but you play. You were a linebacker, a terrific linebacker at the University of South Dakota. Quickly, I just want to get an idea from you. Where did you develop that appreciation of the science of the sport? Well, I, I think I got to be kind of a tape wonk in college. I mean, I, I had some great coaches there at the University of South Dakota, other players that, uh, you know, good friends of mine, Nathan Lake. It's not a name that anyone in New England would know, but Nate Lake was our middle linebacker, really bright guy, really good friend of mine. Uh, you know, Matt Skiff was, these are all names you'll never know, but these are small school college players that were really good players in their own right that, uh, maybe weren't the most athletic guys, but they were hard nosed, tough as nails, and they liked that part of the game as well. So we studied as a linebacker group. We would go over to a house, <laughs> one of the guys' houses, beers, you know, booze it up, but then also have throw, throw tape in for three or four hours. You know, I'd sit there just drink and watch watch film, which I just you know, it's probably not hey kids, don't do that. But you know, <laughs> it was right. That was I I think in part that though is, you know, it, it was sort of a love for that part of it and understanding of how you can get ahead that way. And, and quite frankly, when I did play uh linebacker, I mean my, my role in the NFL was we played a three four and I was the fifth guy. You know, fifth or sixth, depending on if I was rotated inside or out. So I had to always know everyone's spot. So, you know, I know that on a weekly basis, I'm in that, somewhere in that 20 to 30 play range for special teams, but then somewhere between 10 and 20 of, of defense. But I never knew where it was going to hit. So you had to know everything. You know, you had to, I had to memorize the outside linebacker spots on both sides, which are a little bit different because an open side guy, uh, open being away from the tight end, plays a little different than the tight side guy. If you're the tight side guy, which was probably more my strength, I, I don't pass rush for – well, I was a terrible pass rusher, but I was, I was a rundown guy, which is more like special teams. I love playing in the box. I love tackling and chasing and all that kind of stuff and, and playing run scheme stuff against pulling tackles and guards and back motion stuff and just the basic sort of formula stuff you see, uh, I guess maybe more at the college level. I like the box, you know, and that's – I had to know it from different angles because I never know when I, you know, get in and get a series at will, you know, or get a series or two at Jack on the open side, or then now you're back to Sam, which is more my comfortable spot. So I think it was more out of necessity when you get to the pro level, you had to learn everything. And once you start seeing it from all different angles, yeah, I think you start to get a, a greater appreciation, understanding for all that's going on. 
So you came on right at the beginning of Bill Belichick's tenure uh, in New England. I'm curious, did you, have you ever or did you ever sit down and have these type of football wonky X's and O's conversations with him um, for hours or even half hour at a time? I would say with with Coach, uh, his the, his interaction with us is when he would just come into the linebacker room, and you know Rob Ryan was the one who ran our room early on as Robbo and uh, and Pepper Johnson, and I, I would I would more so than Bill directly. I, I think I learned more from Bill just from team meetings, you know, he was, or when he's full addressing the defense or when he's full addressing the team. But when you get the really really nuts and bolts stuff, uh, it, it, a lot of that comes more from your position coaches, really, and that's where you you know sit in the dark room for God knows how many hours with your snacks and your feet up on the table and your notebook, just taking notes for hours and hours and hours. And for me, uh, you know, Bill was the director, you know, he's the conductor. He kind of set the stage, set the standard and the, and the, the position coaches are meant to sort of, you know, sort of give you the, the lessons, you know, teach you the right. techniques to make good, on, to make good on what the conductor wants. So I, I think a lot of my real earthy stuff you learn from like Pep, which was, I thought one of the better, you know, because he's sort of a, a bridge, you know, he's a play, guy that played and then coach too. So, you know, you're getting, you know, it's kind of like the variables of the, of today, you know, like right. Mike's out there is, is those out there. And I think they, they're great resources for players. It'd be interesting to you to play for those guys. Cause they're, they're about my age and they're buddies, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, that's that extra perspective that you get. So you don't just get sort of the book knowledge. You get sort of the, the real tangible stuff that's real and what's not. And that's, that's super helpful because you know, there's, and I think we see a lot of that now, and it's reasonable. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of it. I just think that there's there's going to be as people open up the all 22 worlds to untrained eyes, you're going to get a lot of memorization and book knowledge, you know, which is one eighth, you know, of of understanding football. So it's really the the art that's behind it that I think tells more of the story. And you know, that's that's where I think I really came to appreciate it more. Getting it from Rob, who was getting it from his dad, buddy, you know getting it from from pepper who got it from carl banks and from taylor and you know parcells and like that whole group and then getting it from bill who's just one of the greatest researchers of football period and then from romeo cornell who's coached for you know that same staff and and then dean keys with an entirely different perspective from from kent state and michigan state the college level and cover four which was something that we didn't even do in the early days with the patriots so it's, it's kind of cool to get all the different perspectives, and then all of a sudden you piece it together, and you get a little bit, a little better view. For me, I, I, I know we don't talk about this a lot of the Patriots stuff, but those three years I spent down in New York, Bob Sutton, you know, yep. old the Army coach, you know, the guy that has had that Chiefs defense playing pretty well at times, you know, much more, much more so early, early in the year. But I, I thought it was helpful playing with him, playing with Jim Herman, playing with other coaches that see it a different way you know so i think it just helps sort of uh, broaden your horizons a little bit speaking with three-time super bowl champion matt chatham host of the real thing patriots podcast available on itunes and blog talk radio he's also the patriots expert analyst for nesson and espn college football analysts listen up basketball fans Basketball season is back, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes, 
or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, you'll get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better, of course, winning cold hard cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a thousand bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, speaking with Matt Chatham, host of the Real Thing Patriots podcast, available on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Matt, let's go back to Bill Belichick for a moment, uh, but uh, actually taking a look at what he said on Tuesday in his conference call. Second question asked of him. How do you best balance turning the page from Monday night, but also making sure you learn and correct mistakes from that performance? I want you, based on your experience, take us inside what the meeting rooms are like this week at Gillette getting ready for Pittsburgh and what the overall uh, feeling is inside the locker room as Belichick tries to put this Monday night loss in Miami in the past. It's tough, Trags, and there's there's really no easy answer to this one because the reality of it is everyone would love to say on to Pittsburgh, right? Right. But because you have a lot of new outstanding problems that crept up in this game that had necessarily been issues for you, can't just you know say, oh, that happened. Oops, crazy things happened in Miami. Moving on, because they're not that. You know, they're they're real legitimate things that can be corrected with just a subtle change or move or, or, or a reconfiguration of a front or higher or focus on a different tackle technique or a, a conversation or a drill that, that makes guys play with better leverage relative to the other tacklers that are with them, whatever the hell it is. I mean, trust me, there's, there's probably 20 errors that they could come up with, but one of the biggest things you balance in situations like this, there's the pull for the other game. But if there are going to be certain concepts that got that were wrong and and big time wrong that that hadn't been issues before. As you say, if you just say on the Pittsburgh, it, it it doesn't exactly work like that. The point is, you have to make the corrections and you have to be demonstrative in the in the corrections. You have to know that they were corrected before you can actually do the whole on the Pittsburgh thing. Um, and that's what sucks about short weeks, especially. And I, I do not get how the NFL does this, and I'm not. I'm not saying this to claim that there's some sort of anti-Patriots bias. I'm sure you could search the schedules and find other people's with this issue. I just don't think that if teams have Monday night games, they should travel the following week if they don't have buys, uh, obviously. Right. I, I, so I just think that, that that to me does not make sense. I, I mean, it's it's one thing to have a short week. Short weeks suck. But short weeks in travel, that's competitively unfair. I, I don't understand how they, they rationalize allowing the, the – the, the algorithm puts these things together with the schedule to allow those things to stand. I would think you could you could sort or filter your program to ensure that that didn't happen. I'm thinking like a GPS, like you can you can tick off certain boxes and say avoid certain bridges, avoid certain yeah. you know things. And to, to me, you have I don't I don't understand how traveling on a short week can be allowed when each of a, a really short schedule of only 16 games counts so much. 
So uh, the reason I say that is they have to get on to Pittsburgh, but they cannot just bury the, the many, many new issues that showed up. So, and that's a challenge because you don't get to practice them. You don't get to marinate it as much because they got back in the early, early hours of Tuesday. And I, I don't know the specific schedule because that's usually, that's usually a week by week thing if they change it. But usually in situations like this, I mean, Tuesday, it, it's pretty much a rest day. You know, maybe they came in and watched the film. I don't know if they did. If not, you're, you're, you're coming in super early on Wednesday. And you, you know, once you get to Wednesday, your focus has to be on the next team. But because travel only brought you back on a Tuesday, how and when do you address what happened? They have to sort of break Wednesday up where part of it is still corrections and part of it is looking forward, which now shortens, shortens your overall you know able, ability to focus on the next team. So it's tough. It's not easy. And this is, like I sort of alluded to earlier, this is the fifth of six on the road. So it's not only not only fifth of six. Uh, the, the final one is on a shortened road travel week. So you, there'd been, there, there would have been fatigue anyway, but now it's shortened on the road. I, I, an analogy we were kind of joking around with on, a, on another show earlier today, I was actually nesting, we were talking about this, where imagine if you do, if you work out or whatever, I mean, this sounds like a meathead sort of metaphor, <laughs> but if you're, if, you're, if you're doing the bench press or you're doing squats or you're doing something like that, imagine doing a set of 10 and you know that the 10th is usually your, your hardest rep, but imagine going to the bottom of that and then having people add weight. You know, that's that's what it feels like when, when you have this goofy five of six and the sixth one is on a shortened week that travels. It just just doesn't make much sense to me. That seems competitively unfair. I don't I don't understand how that, that that lives on in the formula. And obviously I wouldn't expect them to calculate this into the the formula. It's kinda of hard to do that. It, you know, it's impossible to do that when the schedules come out. But not only that, throw on top of the fact the emotional um challenge of going to pittsburgh your number one rival in the afc and i I think the schedule makers had to have a sense at least anyway that the afc would come down uh in some shape or form to pittsburgh and new england you put that game at the end of that five games uh in six on the road it just seems like too much of a mountain to climb i mean i you've been on great patriot teams uh matt uh that have won great game have had great streaks of winning on the road, obviously. Uh, but th- this just seems uh, really, really unfair. I, I want to move on to what happened with Deron Harmon. You played, obviously, with Rodney Harrison. Rodney ever go off like Deron uh, did on Monday night uh, on the sideline, uh, off on his teammates? You know, I don't remember, like, an extended speech from Rodney that way. Rodney was more somebody who would chirp on the field. He would definitely yell at the back of your head. I mean, if you're up there at linebacker level, you hear the safety behind you, you turn, and he's he's MFing someone. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't really remember speech makers so much. I mean, that was an unusual thing that Duran had to do, and I'm glad he did. I mean, he's really risen to the front of the room there. I love that they keep the standard so high, eight weeks of under 17, and all of a sudden you, you give up about that many in a quarter. You know, that's 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 the times where you have to, to, show, to show your seriousness. And, um, I liked it, but no, I, I don't recall, you know, Brewski's another fiery guy, obviously. Um, Willie is not going to give speeches, but he can give, he can be stern in short bursts and people know it's serious. We, but I, I never, I never felt like, and I, I'm not saying this, this team is either. I mean, you could get that from Devin McCourty on, a, on an, any given Sunday. You get that from, from maybe a couple other different guys in the room, Hightower, but he's not, you know, he's not 
healthy now. So I think just each room has a little dynamic, and you don't always necessarily have a speech maker. Uh, I would say this way. When I was in New York with the Jets, uh, one of our captains at the time, uh, the defensive captain was Jonathan Vilma. O captain was Pennington, and I was the special teams guy. And John was big-time speechmaker. He's the guy who, you know, and I think that came from the New Orleans Saints thing, you know, where, yep. where Drew Brees does that big thing in pregame. So it, there's sort of like different cultures at different places where, you know, some, he came from the U, and they, they give those big speeches. They give the fiery sideline speech. They give the fiery pregame speech. And I'd been in New England for the first six years of my career, and we didn't do it that way at South Dakota. We didn't really have – you mentioned Rodney. Yeah, Rodney would, would chirp for sure, but there was no speeches. You know, there were no, like – not less of the rah-rah stuff and i don't say it derogatorily rah-rah but just less of the motivational thing it was more just of a corporate kind of you got a job to do go do it but other places that way and you know i if my first season with the jets i always kind of felt like i was staring around the room going well this doesn't register with me you know because i'm not used to that part as much but there are certainly moments that's appropriate i think last night deron deron hit on notes that needed to be said not for anything that really necessarily moved the needle in that game but just more of a Here's the standard going forward. Let's not fall. Let's not fall in this kind of hole again. What was your reaction when you saw what happened to Ryan Shazier in Cincinnati? You're a linebacker, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my first thought was, and I, I've been railing on this for a while, and I, I believe this very strongly. And I, I don't think it's it doesn't fall on the level of faith. I think it falls in the, just a better understanding of how this stuff works. I think this heads up football stuff, which it's not even heads up. It's more the heads out stuff. This idea of, of turning the head to air quote lead with the shoulder, which doesn't happen. Generally speaking, if you think of a pane of glass, because humans heads out in front. So as soon as you lean forward, uh, your head's first. And what Ryan did is keep his head down. And the people that you see with their head down more and more and more in football now are the people that are trying to turn their shoulder. People do not, the, the, the guys that try to get the tip first and turn their head to the side, their heads are always down. And that's physics. That's not, you know, not adopting a technique. It's nothing. It's, it's not, you know, being indifferent to what they're trying to get you to do. There are two choices. You keep your head up, and yes, the face mask and sort of the V between your shoulder and the side of your helmet will be a big part of the collision over and over and over again. And that's just the reality of football. And why does that matter? And why is that the safest spot? Because it's the best spinal position. And the reality of it is when this whole new movement to just make sure heads aren't in there, well, what it does is your head still gets contact. It just ends up being the side of the head. Or they go too over the top to try to leave with a shoulder, and momentum inertia keeps you moving, and the big-ass heavy head with a helmet on it falls, and it's always down. A guy's eyes are almost never up anymore. And what's that do? It puts the spine in a very, very dangerous spot. You're going to see these compression fractures. You're going to see these issues where guys have spinal issues more than the concussion stuff. And it's not as if it's not as if the heads are ever out. They can't be out. All that does is change the contact area from the crown or on the less the crown or the hairline uh, to the side of the head. You just see stuff going in the temples more. You see guys' sides of their heads get hit, and that doesn't change. You know, it's not like there's one one CTE entry point. It can happen at either spot. So I think it's just a lot of foolishness of of people that shouldn't be teaching tactical technique, teaching it because they believe to get a heads out. And I get it. It's not that 
it's not it's not that it's not a good idea, but this is something that we you come up against in football a lot where there's sort of competing medical forces. And this this happens all the time. The ortho guy thinks one thing, the chiropractor thinks, you know, the ortho guy's thinking all soft tissue, the chiropractor's thinking only skeletal, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, the, 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 the medical dude, he's got his own sort of things, and then this, the neuro guy's got his version. And right now we've got the neuro guys taking over, and the neuro guy doesn't know anything about kinesiology. The neuro guy doesn't know right. anything about body mechanics and how they hit. So they're just going to suggest, hey, get your head out of there, just because we don't like heads getting hit and you need a head for the rest of your life. Well, you know what it does? It puts the rest of your body in greater risk. And if you don't understand tackling tech to begin with, you don't realize that you can't get the head out. It, it can't get out. It's always going to be in there. You just are changing the entry point. So I, when I saw Ryan Shazier, I saw a guy with his head down uh, that if someone had tell him, it's not a sin if your heads collide. It's actually pretty natural. Get your head up, and you'll probably contact with part of your face and part of your shoulder. That's the healthiest. That's the safest spot. And, you know, we're, we're just at a place now where everyone's sort of denying that fact. Yeah, it's it just, it's too bad. I mean, it's good that he is apparently making more and more of a recovery every day. And thanks to the medical marvels of um of science and and of medicine. Um, I asked Josh McDaniels, even without Ryan Shazier, who was placed on uh, season-ending IR on Tuesday, about the Pittsburgh defense. And McDaniels said, this linebacking core uh, has always been the core of what they do in Pittsburgh. Uh, yes, they have Cameron Hayward. Yes, they have Stefan Tuitt. But um, the Bud Dupree's, the TJ Watts, this is a very aggressive Pittsburgh defense that Tom Brady will be seeing on um, Sunday. And I guess Brady's always been able to take advantage of aggressive defenses, but the thing that's been the big, you know, bone of contention this year with Mike Tomlin is, is he finally going to get away from the zone defense? Is Keith Butler going to get away from zone defense and go man to man against the Patriots? Well, it's an interesting question this week, Trags, because uh, Miami spent a lot of time in single high. They played a lot of man's defense. So if you have, and, you know, Pittsburgh did a decent job of spending their offseason. Well, not decent, because I, I, I tend to think you shouldn't talk scheme in the offseason. You're going to do what you're going to do, and you don't need to give those those things away. But they talked a lot about wanting to play more man because it was such a an abysmal mess against Patriots in playoffs where it just looked like a lot of spot dropping and Tom just picking them apart. And it, there's, there's two different concepts in general zone defense stuff where one, I, I always call it the Indy way. Indianapolis was always big on that. They've got the tiny little linebackers that were almost safeties, basically that right. were very agile and they could move and they spot drop. They, 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 they turn and run to a spot. They have like a landmark they're supposed to go to. And then they're, they're more quick. They're quicker than I am. They're, they're, you know, we're on the 6'4", 250 linebackers. These are the 6'1", 225 guys, 230, you know. Those guys go to a spot, and they're maybe going to be a step quicker, and everything that they're dependent upon is reaction speed, you know, reaction. How quickly can they react? How well can they read? And how quickly can they close on a play? The other way is spot, is matching. You know, we're basically, you're kind of sort of going to an area, but you're really, you're really route matching. You know, you're, you're seeing how the routes develop, and it almost becomes man. So it's sort of zone and then man what's in the zone kind of thing. So that's that's two different things. In Pittsburgh a year ago, that was just spot dropping, looked like to me. Turn around to an area, and then the Patriots sit in the area they're not, and then Tom throws the ball. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. So, I mean, if they come out with anything anywhere near that now, it, I think it'll be the results will be the same. But the temptation will be after watching Miami play a lot of 
zeros and ones and fives and things like that, where, you know, you're basically man across the board, at least underneath the temptation would be, Hey, let's, let's play a little man too and see how it goes. Because the other stuff hasn't worked against them as much. Well, and the other thing you can do against that, and the Patriots have done this, is run, run, and run some more. Um, and, you know, against teams like Indianapolis, like you said in, in years past, and uh, I, I believe against the Steelers uh, a little bit last year, they were able to run the ball effectively. I just think uh, that the Patriots will come out with something that the, the Steelers haven't seen. And I just think that, you know, Monday night sets up for the for Belichick to really get this team as ready schematically as they could possibly be uh, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think so. But I also, I mean, this isn't I'm not excuse harvesting here. It's more just I'm trying to be realistic about what this could be. Uh, and if, if if they aren't able to turn the corner this week, I don't think it matters that much. <laughs> I mean, I know it, it would be a pain in the ass to have to travel once in the playoffs, but this may just be personal bias talking. But, you know, I got... We got on the on, on what, two of our three Super Bowls. We yep. we, we 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 celebrated in Pittsburgh. We you know, we clinched the AFC in Pittsburgh. So I don't mind that, and I, I don't think it's something that anyone. If you believe you have a championship team, you don't care where you play. So I, and I know fans don't think that way. I understand media doesn't really think that way, and I know that there's been a couple recent incidents in in Denver that would make people think that that's just the absolute end all. But that's not to me. It's not the only way. I think the most important thing is that you're playing at a super high level and you're healthy. That's way more important than the venue. So if you get the venue you want and you're playing terribly, well, then, you know, whenever you're beat up, then bad things can happen as well. So my thought is I'm not certain we'll see the best version of the Patriots here in just, you know, five days, five short days. It's pretty reasonable we probably won't. It's pretty reasonable that you'll see a little bit better version of, of the Steelers, you know, because they've had a little extra rest and they don't have travel. Then you might see if when these guys meet again in the playoffs, if that, if that ends up being the case. So, I just think it's going to be fun. It'll be entertaining. I'm not so certain, you know, other than the home field thing, what it'll really indicate to what will happen down the road. Uh, Matt, I want to really thank you for taking so much time out to talk X's and O's. It's really been a pleasure. Matt Chatham, the host of the Real Thing Patriots podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, also a Patriots expert analyst for Nesson and a college football analyst for ESPN. How else, Matt, can people follow your work? I think they'll do it for now. <laughs> also on Patriots this, Patriots this week, the show that I do with Zolak and Bob Sochi this week on for Patriots.com. So uh, I think that usually fills up my schedule. So uh, it's that time of year. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Eveson and Mike Mullineau live after every single game on CLNSmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed, available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. The all-new CLNS Media website is launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and also over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. That's clnsmedia.com. 
Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our guest Matt Chatham, the host of the Real Thing Patriots podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Matt, of course, is a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots and a Patriots expert analyst for Nesson and a college football analyst for ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Chatham58. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and at CLNS Media. And, of course, you can give my own personal Twitter account a follow at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor was DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media Executive Producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zone of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, calling at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.